0: Is this a national security
1: investigation? I I really can't say. Why did Mounties descend on a Richmond address? We have the latest. A pedestrian killed in a hit and run in the Fraser Valley tonight, the search for the driver.
2: Said he wasn't speeding, but clearly he
1: was going a little bit too fast for the conditions. And what you need to know about filing a snow claim with ICBC this winter. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sarah's off tonight. For the second time in as many days, a pedestrian in Metro Vancouver has been struck by a vehicle whose driver sped off. In at least one incident, a person has died. Julie Nolan now with the details on both investigations.
3: Police markers scatter this stretch of road in Abbotsford as investigators try to make sense of a deadly incident involving a pedestrian just after midnight.
2: Despite their efforts, this man succumbed to his injuries. During the course of the initial investigation, it's been determined that the man, the pedestrian, exited his vehicle uh, parking at roadside in, to deal with a roadway obstruction.
4: We
5: heard a big bang, didn't think anything of it. We came outside, we saw fire trucks and cars parked outside the house.
3: Police aren't totally sure why the 38-year-old man had pulled over, but what happened next has police appealing for help from the public, hoping the driver and possible passengers of a suspect vehicle will turn themselves in.
2: A red Dodge Ram pickup proceeding northbound on LaFever Road struck this man and his vehicle and fled the scene. A short distance away, this truck crashed, the driver of the truck fled the scene on foot and remains outstanding.
3: The Lower Mainland District Collision Analysis and Reconstruction Service, or ICARS, was called in to investigate this scene, along with a motor vehicle incident in Pitt Meadows, where another person was struck while at the side of a road. Ford Detour Road near McTavish Road was closed for several hours Friday night, Safety experts say it's an important reminder to drive with caution this time of year.
2: We need to be particularly aware of uh, people being in a rush. People maybe not waiting till they get to the crosswalk and, uh, and running out between cars. People are not thinking, they're, they're thinking about going out to a holiday event.
3: Meanwhile, Abbotsford police are also asking for dash cam footage while they canvass the area for more leads.
2: We need to continue to value road safety in our communities from distracted driving to excessive speed to impaired driving. Each and every time we get behind a wheel, it's all of our responsibility to do better.
3: Julie Nolan, Global News.
1: On Vancouver Island, a driver police say was impaired is facing several charges after this stolen pickup truck crashed into a fire hydrant. It happened early Friday on Dunford Avenue in Langford. Westshore Shore RCMP say the 54-year-old suspect tried to hide in a bush before he was arrested for impaired driving and possession of stolen property. Police say the truck contained items stolen during a break and enter. ICBC is still calculating the cost of the damage from last month's snowstorm which as you know paralyzed the lower mainland commute. As collision claims pour in, Kristen Robinson has more on what drivers need to know as the winter weather chaos on the roads is only just beginning. Let's
6: go.
7: Kim Gazzola's eight-month-old puppy may not have been the only one accelerating when her snow collision nightmare began.
2: I heard like a slip sliding noise and at the corner of my eye I caught a car coming and then he just hit the brakes and he slid.
7: Right into her son's car, which then hit her father-in-law's car. Gazzola was outside waiting to walk Riker on November 29th when their surveillance cameras captured the SUV driver's impact, which startled the dog and prompted the family to file two ICBC claims.
2: I'm like, oh, this is not good. (laughs) Son's car is probably a write-off. Father-in-law's car has got some damage.
7: They're not alone. ICBC has so far received more than 3,500 claims for the season's first significant snowstorm, a 94% spike compared to the 1,800 reported one week earlier.
3: Uh Uh-oh, stop, watch out, get out of the air.
4: It can get rather complicated when you have um, a chain reaction, a number of vehicles that are involved. Watch out! It's
6: on there.
7: Under the previous system, an at-fault driver's insurance would be responsible. Under no fault, every driver's insurance responds if there's a crash. But ICBC says determining liability in each case is different. Take one scenario.
4: If you slid into a vehicle in front of you, you would be 100% at fault. And if someone from behind you, a driver, slid into the back of your vehicle, they would be 100% at fault likely in that collision.
7: Driving without winter tires could also cost you if you end up causing a collision.
4: Not having the proper tires could impact your liability, absolutely. And in turn, that that could impact your premiums moving forward.
7: With the damage piling up before winter officially arrives, Gazola is urging drivers to slow down and use snow tires.
2: The side streets are really slippery and you just
1: have to go really slow.
7: Kristen Robinson, Global News.
1: And speaking of ICBC, the Premier and the Public Safety Minister are set to make an announcement about the insurance corporation tomorrow morning. And Keith Baldry is here with details on what we might expect. Keith, it was David Eby who once described ICBC as a dumpster fire.
6: What are his Mm -hmm. plans now? Yeah, the bottom line has been improving for the last few years, although the quarterly report just released recently uh, disclosed that ICBC's earnings are down about 600, um, close to $700 million because of some bad investment returns. But that's not going to affect what we see tomorrow. In fact, I think we're going to have a financial update that shows that bottom line has improved. But tomorrow, David Eby and Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth will announce ICBC's rate application to the BC Utilities Commission, and the rate application will be 0%. In other words, a rate freeze for the coming year, no increase to your insurance rates, no rebate. There may be a rebate down the road, but that's not going to be announced tomorrow. But what will be announced is your insurance rates will not be going up uh, on basic coverage. So, again, ICBC's financial situation has improved significantly, particularly since no-fault insurance was brought in, Jordan. Of course, we've had lots of stories about people who don't like that system. They think they're getting... Uh, basically cheated out of what they deserve in terms of injury claims. But right now, ICBC's numbers are looking much better, with the exception of that investment fund loss, uh, and it sets the stage for a rate freeze to be announced tomorrow morning.
1: All right, the official
6: announcement tomorrow.
1: Keith, though, with the scoop tonight. Thanks, Keith. More now on our exclusive story about the ongoing investigations into Chinese interference in Canada. As you heard on last night's news hour, RCMP have paid a visit to a nonprofit society in Richmond with ties to the Chinese community. Ramina Dea has been on this story all weekend and has the latest tonight.
0: Is this a national security investigation?
1: I, I really can't say.
0: No comment from RCMP national security officers investigating China's foreign interference activities in Canada. Interviews were conducted at the Wenjiao Friendship Society, a non-profit in Richmond. Multiple residents tell us the Mounties were asking about whether they'd seen anyone in uniforms or witnessed any suspicious activity.
8: RCMP uh, uh, introduced himself and, and asked me about it, what was going on in this area. There is some uh, uh, falsifying the passports and the uh, currency.
0: A source close to the investigation says the police action was part of a wider probe also underway in Toronto into a Chinese government campaign that uses threats and coercion against community members. No answer at the door Saturday, but over the phone, a society director confirmed police paid a visit. Huawei Su said he was surprised the police were asking questions. He says he doesn't know why. He also rejected that the building is linked to allegations Chinese police stations are operating in Canada. International human rights group Guardian Defenders says it has found evidence of several secret Chinese police stations operating in Canada more than a hundred worldwide.
9: It is a very dangerous example.
0: Victor Ho, former journalist with Tao Daily, Canada's largest Chinese Canadian newspaper, says the alleged secret Chinese police stations are a blatant violation of Canadian sovereignty.
9: It is a, a bad signal that the uh, Chinese government exercising their power without limits and without any international laws. In recent
0: weeks, the RCMP has acknowledged it was investigating allegations China operates police service stations in the Toronto area. The Chinese embassy has rejected the claims. Back in Richmond, still no official comment from RCMP as to why they targeted the Wenju Friendship Society. Romina Dea
1: Global News. Almost 10 months after what RCMP called a calculated and violent attack at a pipeline work site in northern B.C., police are set to make an appeal for new information in the unsolved crime. RCMP will be holding a news conference tomorrow where the Independent Contractors and Business Association and Crime Stoppers are expected to announce a private reward in the case. There have been no arrests and no one has taken responsibility in the February 17th attack at a coastal gas link site near Houston. The company says up to 20 masked attackers threw torches into the back of trucks and used axes to break vehicle windows, leaving a multi-million dollar path of destruction. Work on the coastal GasLink pipeline, which has the support of all 20 elected First Nation councils along the 670-kilometer route. Continues. Well, today marks 25 years since the Supreme Court of Canada delivered an historic decision affirming Aboriginal title here in B.C. and across the country. Grace Key looks at the significance of the ruling and what it means for the future.
8: Today, we see the judgment
4: as a major, major victory for so, the good Santa
0: 25 years ago, the historic Delgamuukw verdict was seen as a bittersweet victory for the Kiksan and Wet'suwet'en nations. The Supreme Court ruled Indigenous people in the province had ancestral land rights, but not Aboriginal land title.
9: But I think it's important to say uh, that the court, uh, while clarifying certain issues, uh, has not clarified other issues such as self-government and the like. And uh, so in a sense, uh, the decision, while... Uh, Some may say it's victory, others may say it's a loss for one party or the other. Uh, It's not very helpful. At the end of the day, I think negotiations are the route and that's where it's going to be resolved.
0: In March of 2020, an agreement on land rights and title was reached between Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs and the government. A land dispute that sparked protests and blockades across the country. The agreement would have major implications for companies looking for access to Indigenous lands and
8: resources. It's, it's been 23 years, it's been mentioned, since the Delgamut-Gastewe decision, uh, and there has been a little or no uh, progress towards recognizing the rights and title of the Wet'suwet'en people since that time. And in three days, uh, I've never seen a more uh, productive and respectful table. Most people and everybody knows that the trust factor is... is um, what uh, we've expressed all along and the respect that um, that all parties need
1: to show.
0: But some chiefs have expressed trust remaining a factor.
8: When the law is set up that the government is obligated to consult with us, that the Gixan have to be part of that decision, that the Gixan must determine if it's OK. We don't have veto, but we, we have to be involved with the decision. And the government drops that, and they know they can rely on the the Supreme Court that
9: closes their eye to judicial notice. Grace Key, Global News.
1: A small crowd gathered in Vancouver's Grandview Park this afternoon to remember murdered and missing Indigenous women. The solidarity rally and candlelight vigil was held on the drive for the victims, as well as their families and the communities affected. A similar event was also held in Winnipeg where an accused serial killer is now facing charges in the deaths of at least three Indigenous women.
6: Today we're um, gathering in solidarity with the women who were killed by serial killer in Winnipeg and we're coming together to raise awareness but also to heal and to grieve.
1: Those at the vigil say it is horrific that police to this point have not searched the landfill for the bodies of the missing women in Winnipeg. A recovery operation is underway in Campbell River where two boats have gone down. It happened at the Discovery Harbor Marina Saturday morning. An ex-fishing vessel was tied to a 37-foot tugboat when the two went to the bottom. The Coast Guard quickly set up a containment boom around the site to limit any possible environmental damage. Divers have been brought in to plug any fuel vents and determine the best way to bring the vessels to the surface possibly using slings or airbags. key to this
8: response, regardless of who's doing the measures, is that the owner is liable for those measures. So
1: any type of pollution damages or any Coast Guard costs,
8: uh, the owner of the vessel is
1: liable. The Coast Guard says the tugboat owner has been extremely cooperative in the recovery operation. No one was hurt and there's no word on what caused the boats to sink. Campbell River RCMP, meanwhile, are trying to solve a low-life holiday heist that has robbed one neighbourhood of his Christmas spirit. Robbie Grant's home on Dolly Varden Road is dark after thieves made off with his entire Christmas display. Last Wednesday morning, he noticed 30 candy cane lawn lights and a five-foot wire-framed deer ornament were gone, along with the spotlights and extension cords used to illuminate them.
2: And we had a reindeer right here with blue horns and then a bunch of candy canes around the trees and That was all gone. i seen tracks coming through the snow from the road. We've been setting stuff up here for 30 years. Nothing like this has ever happened. It's hard to explain. The reindeer had quite a bit of sentimental value to us. And it just, like, how could somebody do something like that? It's just sad that people have to
1: stoop that low. RCMP are hoping someone may know who the Grinch is and convince them to return the items to the rightful place. A tragedy in Penticton this weekend as fire broke out in an apartment building killing an elderly man. A second senior was taken to hospital. Global's Randy Marie Adams reports.
10: Fire ripping through this Penticton apartment building on Lakeshore Drive just before 10 p.m. on Saturday. We were able to speak with tenants who live inside of this building. They did not want to speak on camera, but they did tell us there were two seniors still located inside of the building where the fire began. And unfortunately, one did not make it and the other one is in hospital with unknown injuries. Penticton RCMP later confirming that information in a media release. They also said the elderly woman was being treated for smoke inhalation and related injuries. Thankfully, all the other tenants made it out safely.
11: On arrival, crews had heavy fire uh, coming from the second floor uh, and encroaching to the third and fourth floor. Uh, So the crews made an aggressive fire attack from the exterior and then rapidly changed transition to the interior um, to conduct firefighting operations inside. It was a third alarm fire, so all hands on deck.
10: Firefighters managing to knock down the flames in under 30 minutes. Fire investigators and police still on scene late in the afternoon investigating the cause, which is still unknown. Unfortunately, two pets also did not escape the blaze.
11: The damage to the primary unit was substantial. Uh, pretty well a complete write-off, but uh, the crews were able to limit the uh, the major fire damage to the, to the unit that was mostly involved.
10: RCMP say the fire is not believed to be criminal in nature. The city of Penticton has set up emergency support services for the residents who have been displaced by the fire. Randy Marie Adams, Global News, Penticton.
1: No injuries reported after a semi-trailer fire in North Burnaby today. It broke out around 10 a.m. just off Lake City Way. The trailer was fully engulfed by the time firefighters arrived. Crews knocked down the flames quickly, but the damage is extensive. No word at this point on a cause. Vancouver's Fire Chief met with BC's Premier Friday that to discuss SRO safety, encampments, and other downtown east side issues. Vancouver Fire and Rescue Services shared these photos after David Eby visited Fire Hall 2 in the heart of the downtown east Eastside. Firefighters here are experiencing a significant spike in calls. Single-room occupancy hotel fires have increased 32% in the past three years, with 202 SRO fires so far this year. The Premier, who has promised to address encampments, also met with downtown Side service providers and stakeholders on how to respond to the crisis on Hastings Street. Fire Chief Karen Fry has said sidewalk tents blocking buildings are a catastrophic safety risk. Parents in an impossible position, desperate to help their troubled teen.
0: And we just don't know what to do. Like, it, it's tearing our family apart
1: Next on the News Hour, a mother's biggest fears and why she feels powerless in having her daughter seek treatment. And later tonight, the cold B.C. city hoping to become a winter hotspot for Americans. Another heartbreaking story tonight of a B.C. family in crisis seeking help for a child who apparently doesn't want it. As Kamal Karamali reports, it again raises the difficult subject of involuntary treatment. I just feel powerless. I feel powerless that I can't even help my own daughter. This couple
11: fears their 13-year-old daughter is spiraling towards trouble, taking pot, alcohol and antidepressants not prescribed to her.
4: Us as loving
11: parents are... Going through hell. We're not identifying this couple because their daughter is a minor. She's also been suffering from mental health issues, taking part in self-harm, even hospitalized, kept at a psychiatric ward for days. But when these parents reached out to treatment facilities for help, they've been turned down because their daughter didn't agree to it.
10: That's all our
2: daughter's choice to want to meet with that person and want to get the help. She doesn't think that she needs
11: the help. Last week, Global News spoke to the mother of a 15-year-old after the teen allegedly went on a crime spree. She said he suffers from opioid addiction and she hasn't been able to get him help because it has to be voluntary.
7: Don't think that this can happen to your child because it can.
11: Now this couple's worst fear becoming a reality.
0: That story um, about that young 15-year-old boy, like that's how I see our daughter in two years from now.
11: The province says there is no provincial policy in place to allow a parent to admit their child into addiction treatment against their will. There are no plans at this time to change that rule.
3: Eight out of 10 parents I talked to are having similar
11: issues. This parent peer supporter is now connecting families in similar situations to try and push the province to make that change. We're going to start
3: contacting our political representatives from all sides because this has been going on for way too many years.
11: These parents were told the only way they can force their teen into a treatment facility is if she commits a crime or is abused at home.
0: And so, like, why do I have to neglect or abuse my own daughter for her to, to maybe get
11: some help? Help in a system they say has failed them. Kamal Karamali, Global News. Coming up, overwhelming response.
1: I'm just amazed by the volume. It's been every day since we rolled this out. A firefighter's donation drive for Ukraine is shaping up to be a big success, but there's still a way to help. We'll explain. And next, the news hour goes to Poland and takes you inside the hospital where Canadian doctors are treating the innocent victims of war. Welcome back. A Canadian medical team has recently returned from a mission to Poland where they helped injured Ukrainian soldiers and civilians. The charity Canada Ukraine Foundation sent a team of volunteers from across the country. Global's Julia Foy went along to see how these caring professionals are helping the victims of war.
5: Surgeries begin at 8 a.m. and may last until after midnight. The doctors, nurses and medical staff are with the Canada Ukraine Foundation's surgical aid program. They're volunteers fueled by passion.
11: To provide Comprehensive, complex surgical assistance to the casualties of that war.
5: The ongoing devastation in Ukraine caused by the Russian invasion has wounded thousands of soldiers and civilians, shattered communities.
6: It was frustrating
9: and uh, I would say more than emotional, it would make you angry. You wonder for what purpose something like that could happen.
5: Thirty-five medical experts and support staff have travelled from Canada to a hospital in Poland. Patients from Ukraine have been transferred here to receive complex surgeries.
0: Thirty-three-year-old
5: Oksana asked us not to show her face, disfigured by a missile strike on her home. Her 13-year-old son was killed in the attack. She found her son slumped in a chair and shrapnel from a missile instantly killed him. She heard her daughter calling and found her covered in blood. She survived. Over 10 days, the Canadian medical team consults with 28 patients and completes 42 complex procedures, working alongside Polish and Ukrainian doctors.
2: Educating Ukrainian physicians to do advanced Surgery, whether it be orthopedic care, craniofacial care, uh, or microsurgical care.
7: For us, it's very important to do this operation together with uh, our Canadian uh, surgeons and partners.
5: The Polish Prime Minister visited the hospital while the medical mission was underway.
3: Well, I'm very grateful to uh, Canada and to uh, all those involved in this Canadian-Ukrainian program.
5: It's now Oksana's turn for surgery. It will take eight hours to complete. The operation is recorded for teaching purposes. Patients will recover for several days in what has been dubbed the Canada Ward. Do you need more than one? One of the nurses is from BC and knows why she came. To give back
4: to the community. Well,
5: we're f- so fortunate with what we have in, in Canada. And if there's something that I can do to help out, then I will do it. On the final day, as doctors come to say goodbye, Oksana agrees to show us her new face. She's very thankful and says her daughter is very happy. Yeah. The Canada-Ukraine Foundation's surgical aid team is now planning another mission in March, but hoping the war will be over before then. Julia Foy, Global News.
1: True heroes at work there. Well done. Residents of Vancouver's North Shore were asked to help the people of Ukraine get through a tough winter, and they responded in a big way. On December 3rd, firefighters put out a call for donations of warm clothing and supplies, hoping to fill a shipping container by the 18th. Well, barely halfway through the campaign, and they have more than reached their goal. This will be the eighth shipment from a Metro Vancouver charity, the third involving North Shore firefighters. They've been overwhelmed by the response.
11: It's been every day since we rolled this out where it just keeps coming. Every fire hall is bringing down on our uh, days off. We have volunteers gathering stuff, and it just keeps coming. Every time we feel caught up like now, another crew will show up with more and more. Uh, The volume of it has been
1: amazing. What's needed now is money to help cover the cost of the C-CAN. If you'd like to help, you can go to dnvfirecharity.ca and put Ukraine in your note. Prince George as a vacation destination. Just ahead on the news hour, why the BC City thinks it has a lot to offer to certain American tourists. All the latest news. All the latest updates. Get it first. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Get it at 11. Global news at 11. No, it's not 11 o'clock. Don't adjust your set. When winter hits, many Canadians look to fly south, but Prince George is hoping to convince U.S. residents to fly north for a true Canadian winter experience. An ad campaign targeting Arizona coincides with weekly flare air flights that were launched last week between B.C.'s Central Interior and Tucson. Tourism PG is highlighting activities unavailable in the U.S. Sun Belt, such as northern lights, outdoor ice skating, skiing and ice fishing. We think that uh, highlighting
8: the cool things there are to do in Prince George in the winter, uh, some of that stuff might be on the bucket list for somebody that lives in Arizona.
1: The new flair Arizona flights arrive and depart in Prince George every Friday. It's a cold place, Yvonne, in the winter with some <laughs> very warm people, though. Yes. Love the people of PG.
9: That offsets the cold for sure. Yeah. <laughs> How
1: did they do today, temperature-wise?
9: Uh, it's chilly. Just an idea, especially right now. They're currently sitting at minus 15 overnight tonight. They'll dip down to minus 25 when you factor in the wind chill and the wind chill right now. In Prince George, is sitting at minus 18. So, yes, a winter experience in towards the central interior. A few other spots across the province with Whistler currently sitting at minus 3. Today, we had a few breaks in there, but we are going to see more sunshine, especially in our long range forecast. It'll be chilly overnight tonight. We'll be down to around two. We are looking at some fog patches to keep in mind for the morning commute back to work and school. And then through the afternoon, it'll be pleasant with that sunshine. Temperatures will bump up to five. Average for this time of the year sits closer to six degrees. We are going to still see a few isolated flurries. That's for both the central interior, a few spots in towards the mountain passes, but really not much in terms of accumulation. And the big weather story that we're following a ridge of high pressure will start to build in the coming days. Quick check on Whistler. We had a significant amount of snowfall yesterday. Huge improvement today. We're seeing an improvement for all the mountain passes if you're traveling both today and leading in towards tomorrow. This ridge starts to build, and what we'll see with this ridge of high pressure, sunshine. A bit chilly, though, in the coming days, especially for our overnight lows. But the big weather story will be those sunny skies in the coming days. Temperatures will be up to 2 inland overnight tonight. Smithers minus 18 through the day tomorrow, minus 10. Prince George will bump up to minus 12 as the daytime high, a few isolated flurries and a bit more cloud cover for the morning hours for the southern interior easing off towards the afternoon. Whistler seeing highs closer to minus three. A few spots across the island may see some fog patches as well. Dissipating. Victoria will see some breaks, highs up to six. Inland across the island for Port Alberni bumping up to three. And the lower mainland, we've got that range for the Fraser Valley, Abbotsford up to four. Chilliwack bumping up to three. So some morning fog patches dissipating. Sunny and dry in the coming days. That ridge of high pressure starts to build in. It'll be chilly, but we'll see plenty of sunballs. Barry and I like to call them sunballs. We'll see that. Barry's laughing in the background. But we are going to see those sunballs in the coming days. It's actually a pretty good looking forecast. Last week of school, hopefully, we'll hang on to that for the
1: vacation break as well. Jordan? All right. Keep those sunballs coming. Yeah. Thanks, Devon. It's not just kids who've been lining up for a picture with Santa this weekend, there were also two chickens. Meet Roxy and Pidgey, and their are two helpers from Happy Herd Animal Sanctuary. The picture with Santa was taken at the Buckerfields store in Abbotsford this morning. The two Cornish hens are both rescues. Very cute. Although I think the lady on the right side of the screen is like, take the picture. Take the picture.
9: I <laughs> wonder what they asked Santa for, you know?
1: Good question.
8: They
9: probably put in a request.
8: They asked him, don't confuse us with turkeys. You that know, dinner, true. that sort of thing. Chickens are yeah. not for Christmas. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Barry, what's coming up in sports? Well, we're going to take a look back at uh, the Canucks, who uh, maybe have a little bit of stage fright. They've had some opportunities at home to kind of make a statement, climb the standings, but have come up flat. Florida and Washington a couple weeks ago last night against Minnesota. So we'll hear from uh, Bruce Boudreaux talking about that. And uh, speaking of coming up flat, Seahawks, what were they doing? They had a great chance uh, to win today at home to Carolina, a team way down in the standings, but they fell flat too. So I guess I just have a lot of bad news coming (laughs) up.
1: The bearer of bad news, Barry. Yes, that's me. Here on the Sunday News (laughs) Hour. All right. Thanks, Barry. Also coming up, splashdown success. How the landing of the Orion spacecraft sets the stage for a return to the moon. All non critical infrastructure in the Ukrainian port of Odessa was without power tonight after Russia used Iranian made drones to hit two energy facilities. Mackenzie Gray has more on the situation in Odessa and how those drones are linked to Canada.
4: In one of Ukraine's largest cities, the streets are pitch black. 1.5 million people in Odessa left in the dark after Russia attacked two energy facilities. The situation in Odessa region is very difficult, says Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, adding the critical strikes will take days to fix. Zelensky blames the power outages on kamikaze drones purchased from Iran, the Shahad-136. They've been a favorite tool of the Russian army, with hundreds raining down in Ukraine, many targeting critical infrastructure. And those feared drones have a Canadian connection. A Ukrainian think tank found that Ottawa-based company Talisman Wireless has a part in those drones. The company says they are aware an antenna they make is in the drone, but that they've never stole products to Iran.
2: These are not um, controlled goods, right? So uh, the transfer of these pieces of technology don't require an export permit. It doesn't require, um, you know, the checks and balances that, that usually comes with, with exporting uh, conventional weapon systems.
4: Canada isn't alone. Companies from Japan, Germany, and the U.S. all have components in these drones, despite sanctions blocking the sale of these type of goods to Iran. And the collaboration between Tehran and Moscow seems likely to continue. Both the U.S. and British governments are warning the next Russian purchase could be Iranian-made ballistic missiles. Mackenzie Gray, Global News, Ottawa.
1: A major pipeline from Canada has been shut down in Kansas following an oil spill. The Keystone Pipeline carries more than 600,000 barrels of Canadian crude oil each day to various parts of the U.S. TC Energy estimates 14,000 barrels spilled. Efforts are now being made to remove the oil within a week. The oil has yet to threaten the local water supply. However, a stream advisory has been issued. NASA's Orion capsule has returned to Earth with a splash after a trip around the moon. The small capsule carried three mannequins equipped with sensors. The 25-day mission is part of NASA's Artemis program, which hopes to take people to the moon later this decade. The capsule made touchdown in the Pacific Ocean off the coast of Mexico's Baja California Peninsula just after 9.30 this morning. Game day for the Seahawks. Barry will have highlights, if there were any. Plus, no win, no answers. I can't really explain, to be honest with you. Well, the Canucks have a few days to think about what went wrong last night. You'll hear from the team coming up. Help give kids in Surrey
8: the care they need today. Support Surrey Hospitals Foundation's Match Campaign so patients aren't forced to leave Surrey for medical care. Every donation made before December 31st will be matched up to $200,000. Visit the Sea to Sky Gondola this holiday season. From decorated forest trails to hot chocolates and sunset snowshoe tours, experience winter at 885 meters above House Sound. See the SkyGondola.com for details. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman.
2: BC is brought to you in part by the Salvation Army. Join the army of givers and give to a Christmas kettle this holiday season.
1: Should have been easy. Could have been easy. It wasn't easy yeah. for the Seahawks.
8: Yeah, the Seahawks have kind of had like three levels to their season. Yeah. They started kind of poorly and then shocked everyone. And people thought, wow, this is a great team. Now they're kind of back to that team that isn't so good anymore. You never know what you'll get. Football's a bowl of cherries or chocolates (laughs) or something, whatever Forrest Gump said. (laughs) Thanks, Jordan. The Seahawks began the day in a playoff position, and with four of their last five at home, it's right there for them to make the postseason. Today, perhaps their easiest opponent left on the schedule, the 4-8 Carolina Panthers, a team that had yet to win a road game this season. Pete Carroll though without his top running back Kenneth Walker and that throws off the Seahawks offensive balance first offensive play not good Geno Smith picked off by JC Horn he returns at 31 yards the Panthers back in business after a long opening drive netted them a field goal and the next play after the pick Sam Darnold another former New York Jet quarterback just like Geno Smith he finds shy Smith wide open for his first nfl touchdown seahawks stunned down 10 nothing early panthers just dominated the first bit of this game moving the ball at will and the edmonton kid chuba hubbard breaks the plane for the touchdown 17 nothing panthers 140 yards total offense to the seahawks seven at that point but seattle finally gets going it's the veteran tyler lockett what a play i'm so amazed by these receivers how they get two feet down at that speed and with that little room great job for the TD at 17 7 Gino did throw another pick that led to a Panther field goal but bounces back just before the half connects with DK Metcalf for the touchdown so after the nightmare start it's 2014 at the half third quarter now 20 to 17 Panthers won't go away what a catch here Terrace Marshall traps the ball between his legs rolls around that ball did not hit the turf that is a good catch but Carolina did not get any points out of that drive but in the fourth the Panthers just ran the ball down the Seahawks' throat. Seattle's horrible run defense exposed again. Rookie Raheem Blackshear with the TD run. They had 224 yards on the ground, wearing out that Seahawks' defense. Seahawks a costly 30-24 loss. They're now 7-6 and six and currently below the playoff bar in the NFC. First place, 49ers taking on Tom Brady in the Tampa Bay Bucks. Brock Purdy, now the Niners' third starting QB after Jimmy Garoppolo went down for the season last week. Purdy was the last pick in the 2022 draft. They call that person... Uh, Mr. Irrelevant well he is playing like someone right now a two yard touchdown run to make it 14 nothing then Purdy shows his a touch 27 yards to Christian McCaffrey. Now McCaffrey did bobble it before he secured it they reviewed it but it's a good touchdown 21 nothing San Francisco and then late in the half Brandon Ayuk another touchdown on the pass from Brock Purdy. He's pretty good this guy. 49ers win 35-7. They're nine and four. They remain atop the NFC West and they visit the Seahawks on Thursday night. Best record in the NFL belongs to the Philadelphia Eagles in New York to face the Giants. Philly already up seven nothing and on fourth and seven they go for it and not just the first down but the touchdown Jalen Hurts to Devontae Smith. He makes a great catch and uh Makes the adjustment in air with two defenders on him. What a great play that was. And then more from Jalen Hurts in the second going deep again to A.J. Brown. It was all Eagles. They pound the Giants 48-22. They're 12-1. First team to clinch a playoff spot this year in the NFL. Battle of Texas, Houston, and Dallas. Texans with the worst record in the NFL. Gave the Cowboys all they could handle though. Jeff Driscoll to Amari Rogers who makes a fantastic catch. The touchdown, Texans took the lead, and they held that lead until very late in the fourth. But Dak Prescott led the Cowboys on an 11-play, 98-yard touchdown drive, finished off by Zeke Elliott. Cowboys pull it out 27-23. Dallas improves to 10-3. AFC now Bills taking on the Jets from snowy and sleeting Buffalo no points until late first half Josh Allen to his big tight end Dawson Knox who will not be denied somersaulting into the end zone and that had to hurt. but it's a touchdown, just gets over the line then celebrates with the Bills Mafia in the end zone. 7-0 at the half, third quarter, Bills driving again and this time Allen does it himself. He is so hard to stop, he takes it in for the TD. Bills hang on 20-12, they remain atop the AFC with... A ten and three record chiefs and broncos it has been a miserable first year for russell wilson and the broncos just three and nine there out of playoff contention all chiefs early patrick mahomes with this ridiculous ad-lib just flings it to Jarek mckinnon who then races 56 yards for the touchdown chiefs led 27 nothing but back come the broncos russell wilson will just jump uh, dump it off here to marlon mack who does the rest Burst through the Chiefs' secondary, a 66 yard touchdown, and the Broncos are right back in at that 27 0 lead down to 27 21. Fourth quarter, Wilson now running for the end zone, is stopped short but is also driven down hard into the turf, forced to leave the game with a concussion, and the Chiefs hold on for the win 34 28 as they officially eliminate the Broncos from the playoffs with that victory. Well, if Bruce Boudreau had any hair, he would be pulling it out right now. He just cannot get his team to put in consistent 60-minute efforts. Last night, they were a no-show for the first period against the Wild in a game that could have seen them jump past Minnesota in the standings. Instead, they were shut out 3-0 and now have to stew over that loss for a few days until their next game Wednesday in Calgary.
10: Well, we didn't uh, compete hard enough. Minnesota wanted the, the game. They just lost two in a row. They knew that if we win, we tie them. Uh, you know, it's uh, we make uh, lazy mistakes, and the lazy mistakes end up costing us, you know, three goals. You can bounce back all the time. You can look, oh, now we've done it, and then you go ahead and you and you get a streak, and you're right back in it. But you just have to be consistent when you do that streak. You can't um, go uh, seven and three, and then go three and seven you know, and then it becomes more difficult. So, I mean, especially when you're fighting from behind like we were since the start of the year.
8: Let's uh, check out some action today. Paul Maurice's Panthers hosting the Seattle Kraken down in Florida. Great start for Seattle. Jared McCann, pretty set up for Matty Beniers, who drills home his 11th. Certainly in the conversation for the Calder uh, Trophy is Beneers. one nothing Kraken third period now two one Seattle Beneers again shot to the net Jordan Everly nice redirect to beat Sergey Bobrovsky and the Kraken get a big win down in Florida five two NBA tonight Raptors at Orlando the last place Magic beat the Raptors Friday in the first of this two game set but Orlando. Proving to be a big pain again, Franz Wagner, the German, whose brother also plays for the Magic, drains the long three. Rats tried to stay close. Chris Boucher with the driving dunk, but not, tor- not Toronto's night again. They fall in Orlando, 111 and they're now 13 and 14, under 500 for the first time in a while. Final round of the QBE Shootout from Florida. 12 two-person teams battling it out. Today's format: better ball, basically. Both guys play the hole has the lower score. The team takes that score. How about this, on 18, Sahith Figala with the clutch birdie putt. He and his partner Tom Hoagie take the lead at 34 under. Charlie Hoffman though with the chance to force a playoff but he misses. Figala and Hoagie win the QBE shootout in their first appearance at the tournament. Canadian Corey Connors and his partner K.H. Lee finished eighth, nine shots back. And we've got some women's soccer Burnaby's Julia Grosso, playing for Juventus in Italy, she of course scored the winning penalty kick to give gold for Canada at the Tokyo Olympics. Had a goal and an assist against Roma today. There's her goal, a key part of that Juventus team as Juventus gets the win 4-2. And I love the Italian announcer. On I think he said "Mamma Mia" just once. They always give a good performance. Yeah,
1: they're very, very good, very animated. It was hey, so speaking good for Julia stuff. Speaking of performers, why did Gene Simmons go to Saskatchewan? Any guesses? Mm, uh, money? Uh, he was there to sell something. <laughs> to tell you exactly why when we come back. Stay with us. It's always good. All right, rock god Gene Simmons continues his tour of Western Canada, making stops in Saskatchewan to plug his latest product. Have a look. The Kiss <laughs> basis is signing bottles of his new money bag Vodka. He stopped at three locations in Saskatoon before... Heading to Regina, almost a 1,000 people lined up outside last night, hoping to meet him. Simmons chose to sign bottles in Saskatchewan because his wife grew up in Saskatoon.
6: So this is like a home away from home. And by the way, you guys should know that the Minhas Brewery makes money back vodka right here. You betcha, right here, homegrown.
1: Simmons is a serial entrepreneur. He's hawked everything from soda to medical marijuana... And now vodka. <laughs> he keeps oh, busy.
9: Yeah, and he has that Canadian connection.
1: That's right. That's so it's right. it's nice of
9: him to stop by.
1: And he looks good for seventy-three. Yeah, he does.
9: I wish he kind of put. I wish he dressed up a little bit more, though. Yeah, That'd yeah. That'd be fun, he just right? Just for
1: like, his L.A. wardrobe, but yeah. well, not, of course, his kiss attire. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of what you need to wear this week, is it going to be chilly?
9: Yeah, chilly and you'll need your sunnies, which is great. Uh, overnight tonight, leading in towards back to work and school, I'll have some fog patches for that morning commute, but then it dissipates and it's pleasant throughout the week, all courtesy of that ridge of high pressure that's in place. Uh, keep in mind, though, temperatures anywhere between 3 up to 5 degrees. It's really those overnight lows. Early morning hours, a bit slick out there. It'll be chilly for the morning and then through the day. Not much, 3, 4 degrees, but we've got plenty of sunshine. So it's great looking into the following days. Still a few days out from Christmas. Christmas. Mm-hmm. I know people have been asking about the Christmas forecast, White Christmas. We're still a few days out, but this weekend we had some snow on the local mountains, so that was nice.
1: All right. Stay tuned <laughs> for the updated forecast. Thanks, Yvonne. And thank you for watching the News Hour. Krista Dow will have your next news at eleven o'clock. Good night.